Well, on Friday night, Friday, we all celebrated the birth of Jesus, right? Christmas, we had a great time celebrating his birth. Well, today, in today's message, we're going to celebrate something he did the night before he gave his life for you and me. The ushers have some Bibles if you need one. We're going to jump into John chapter 13 this morning. And uh, so if you need one, they have one you can use. We have uh, given out a bunch of these. If you'd like to keep it, you can. If you don't need it, you can set it on the table as you leave today. But we're going to jump into John chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 17. Jump in with me. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's one of the great stories of the Bible. One of those great memorable stories where It's the night before Jesus is crucified. It's the night before he's crucified. The night before he gives his life for our life. The night before he lays it all down, even though it was going to be tough, even though it was going to be the most difficult day of his life, he willingly lays his life down. His public ministry was was done. He'd been all over the countryside. And he now was returning his full attention to his disciples. He was pouring into them the night before he would be betrayed, or the night he'd be betrayed. And I want you to imagine this last supper with me. Just kind of put yourself in this place. You see, in that culture, the most demeaning thing to do was to wash someone's feet. In fact, the the lowest of servants was the one who would do this. And it was necessary. At that time, you walked everywhere. You had sandals on your feet. And so if you're walking, it's dusty. If you've been to Israel before, it's, it's, it's dusty. Man, there is a, a lot of places around uh, around Jerusalem that you're walking through, kind of desert-like. Uh, it's, it's hilly, it's rocky. And of course, there's a bunch of animals. There's sheep as you drive now. There's sheep everywhere. There's donkeys. There's camels. So with those type of animals comes something that they all get rid of. It's dusty, it's, it's dirty, and it's dungy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of poop. 
And so it was uh, not uncommon that you might get it on your feet. And so if you can imagine, this is not a, a fun thing to do. And it's common courtesy if you'd go to someone's house, if you were a guest at a dinner, that they would have somebody, they'd have a servant, wash your feet. And if you remember in the story, Jesus had sent Peter and John to go take care of everything. Go get all, go get all the arrangements ready for this, this last dinner, this last supper we're going to have together. The food had been cooked. The table had been set. And I'm sure as the disciples walked in, I'm sure they were... They were thinking that, you know, surely this important detail is going to be taken care of. Well, it wasn't. So again, I want you to picture this as Jesus and the disciples walk in. They, they see the bowl. They see the towel. They're probably wondering, you know, who, who, who's going to do this? Surely Peter and John should have taken care of this. And as they're reclining at the table, I can imagine each of them is feeling a little uncomfortable. I'm sure someone's probably thinking, now at least somebody ought to clean Jesus' feet. Uh, but you know what, if I do that, if I'm the one that gets up, I'm going to be, man, where will that put me in the social pecking order? What if I'm the guy that gets to be stuck with the job washing the feet? I don't want to be that guy. I'll be at the bottom of the heap. I don't want to be the guy that, yeah, there's the, hey, hey, the feet washer, you do that. Nobody wanted to be that guy. And uh, if you've been in church for a while, you know that sometimes there's the mentality that someone else will do it. Someone else will take care of that. Hey, somebody needs to, to serve in the nursery, but, you know, that's, that's not really my area. Someone else will do that. Somebody needs to set up the chairs, but, yeah, you know, I'm not that good. Probably should let somebody else do that. You know, somebody needs to tear all this down, but, man, i got, I got to race out of here. You know, it couldn't be me. I, I don't have time. Uh, you know, somebody needs to greet people as they come in, but I, I don't get here early enough. So it, it couldn't be me. Some, someone else will take care of that. And you can imagine, you can continue to pass off the buck of who's going to do it. And we all have been guilty of that. We're all guilty of hoping that someone else would do it. And I think the, the disciples, as they sat around, I think they began to justify in their own mind why it wasn't their job to do it. As a staff, we have a staff discipleship time. And we also, as small group leaders, I've been leading all of our small group leaders and apprentices, those that are going to be small group leaders in the future, I've been leading them through 40 days in the Word. It's a wonderful Bible study program. It's what we're going to do in small groups next semester. I always got to give a, a plug since that's my area for small groups next semester. But we've been going through it in preparation to lead our church through it. And one of the methods that we've learned is the picture it method. It's the devotional Bible study method. But one of the methods is to picture it, to put yourself in the shoes of some of the people who were there. What would it be like to be this person? What would it be like to be this person? How many of you have ever been the armchair quarterback on Sunday mornings? Man, you should have done this. You know, we're yelling at Alex Smith or, you know, being a Broncos fan. <coughs> uh, you're yelling at uh, Brock Osweiler. You know, Peyton would have done it this way. You know, we can be an arm, uh, armchair quarterback. Well, picture it method is to, to put yourself in their shoes to see how they would have done, see what they would have thought. So for a moment here, I, I did this. I put myself in the, in the shoes of the disciples. What were they thinking? And I kind of thought that, you know, maybe one of them was thinking, you know, hey, I, I, I did this job last time. Someone, somebody else's turn to do it now. I think someone probably thought, man, G Peter and John really dropped the ball. They, they, it was their responsibility. They should have taken care of it. I, I thought about John. I thought John was probably thinking, I'm in spiritual intimacy. If you've read, you know that he is, it says he was kind of leaning into the bosom that's a word. That's a bad word. 
Every time I say that word, I just, that doesn't sound very manly. It says John was leaning into the bosom of Jesus. So he's leaning there in this wonderful spiritual intimacy. And I'm just thinking, he's going, Jesus doesn't want me to get up and leave this spiritual moment. Surely, surely it's not me. And of course, Peter, we all know that Peter has a tendency to put his foot in his mouth. When we've been to Israel, there's a spot where Peter's greatest failure, there's a statue commemorating Jesus, uh, uh, Peter's greatest failure when he denied Christ three times. How, how many of us would like that? There would be a statue of our greatest failure. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want that. But that's what Peter had. So he's kind of known for putting his foot in his mouth. And I can see him. This is what I, when I pictured Peter, this is what I pictured. I pictured him kind of sitting back going, don't these turkeys know who I am? Don't these guys see that I'm supposed to be the man? I'm, I'm the future leader of this deal. Don't they see the giftings in me? I'm a leader. I, surely I'm not going to get up and do this. You know, when, when Jesus asked me that question, who do people say that I am? I'm the one that had the right answer. I said, you're the son of God. I could just see him kind of all puffed up sitting there going, those guys ought to get up. They ought to be washing my feet and Jesus' feet. So I just, that, that's kind of what I pictured as I, as I went through this scenario. Now I'm taking a little bit of liberties with the text, but, but you get the picture Everybody was pointing the fingers at somebody else. Nobody rose, to the, uh, nobody rose to the occasion to take care of the obvious thing. And I had a, a, a thought, and I, I think I have it on your notes there, the question to ponder. What happens when no one rises to the occasion? What happens? What happens when no one rises to the occasion to do what needs to be done? I can tell you on a Sunday morning... If, if no one is there to welcome people, new guests aren't welcomed. You know, babies are left crying in their nursery. There's, there's no room left in a small group because no one said, hey, I'll be a small group leader. There's no room left. There's, there's not enough leaders. There's no one to serve in the community when no one rises to the occasion. And I can tell you that there's no one to set up or tear down if no one rises to the occasion to do that. And, and there's certainly holes that can... Uh, be left open if we don't have people who rise to the occasion. And today there's, there's something in this message for everyone here. Because I know that looking around this auditorium, I know that there are those in this auditorium who serve. I, are, I know that there are those who used to serve, and I know that there are those who don't serve. But what I want you to walk away with this morning is that serving is the key to blessing in Christianity. Serving is the key to blessing in Christianity. Whether you wash feet, whether you greet, whether you park cars, whether you usher, whether you, wa- whether you watch babies, I can tell you serving blesses others and serving blesses you without question. And so I want you, as we look at this text, I want you to consider what Jesus did and consider what he promised. This is what we're going to look at this morning, what Jesus did. He set an example for you and me very clearly from the text. And I have hanging from my car. About 16 or 17 years ago, I led my youngest brother to Christ. And uh, it was one of the, the greatest things that I had the opportunity to be a part of. And soon after that, he gave me a WWJD necklace. It's now hanging from my rearview mirror. How many of you know, if you know it, say it. What is WWJD? My son in the front. What would Jesus do? He tried to steal it from me a couple of months ago. He said, Dad, can I have this? And I said, no, it's a little tattered. It needs to stay. No, Dad, can I have this? I said, no. He doesn't realize I need that there. 
Not just for my driving, but I need that there. I need to, throughout my day to know what would Jesus do. Partly for my driving, I need to know what Jesus would do. But I need it there. And of course, he wanted to wear it, and I'd love for him to have it. But one, it was given to me by my younger brother, and I, and I, want, I want to keep it there. But what, what would Jesus do? In, in this example, we see what he did. And a lot of people don't necessarily know what WWJD means anymore. It was kind of, I don't want to say it was a fad, but it was kind of a, a, a Christian jewelry for a while. And, and, and uh, I think it fatted out a little bit. But it, the concept still sticks. But verses 4 and 5 say what he did. It said, so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And I can imagine some jaws dropped when Jesus did that. I literally think some of the jaws dropped in the room when they saw their leader get up and wrap a towel around his waist. Around his waist, and and one thing I've learned in ministry is that I believe people would rather see an example than hear a lecture. And that's exactly, rather than lecture them about what they should have done, he gave an example. I know my kids would much rather hear, see me give an example, see me just do the right thing, than give a lecture. I can tell you they've, they've had enough of those. They don't want any more. They'd rather just see an example and get to follow that. So there was a need, and everybody in the room knew that there was a need, but nobody was jumping up to do it until Jesus did. And I suspect all the disciples knew that something was wrong. But Jesus took the appropriate action. And so we're going to take a look at the action words in verses 4 and 5. One of the, one of the other ways that you can study the Bible is that you can, uh, you can look at each word in it and begin to understand deeply what the passage says by what it... It's one of the methods we're learning in 40 Days in the Word as well. And so it's, it's the pronounce it method where you say each word and then you think about what that word means. And one of the things that Rick Warren says in this study, and I've not forgotten this and I hope you won't as well, it says this, you only believe the parts of the Bible that what? You actually do. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. And so we see these action words and I, and I want to just take this verse and kind of d- dissect it up. Because I think it's going to help each of us as we leave here today think through our own lives and what God wants us to do. So number one, we look, the action words, he got up from the meal. He got up. He left his comfort zone. He, he made his body do something that he may not have wanted to do. How, how many of you have ever sat down at the dinner table and right as you sat down, you're getting ready to eat and someone says, hey, would you get up and get the ketchup? And you're like, oh, no. No, I just sat down. How many of you ever gotten a fight at the dinner table when that's happened before? Never in the Holt family. Uh, hey, would you get me something to drink? I just sat. Of course I will. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to get up. One of my faults, one of them, of the many, is that I tend to, when it's time to eat, when something is between me and food, and it's been a little while, I start to get, there's two words I've put together. My kids know it. They, sometimes they'll say, Dad's hangry. I'll get hungry and angry, and it's, it's not pretty. And it's like, I need to eat now. So when someone says, get up to do this, I'm thinking, I'm ready to eat. Can we pray so we can eat? So it's one of my faults that I struggle with. But we don't always want to get up. And I can tell you that the alarm clocks 
for the guys that pull the trailers, have ever pulled the trailers, or have been a part of setup and tearing down, their alarm clocks probably go off at 4.30 or 5 to get up. It's not an easy thing to get up early to say, hey, I, I, I want to serve. It's not easy to be a part of that team, and those guys have been getting up early, many of them for years and years. So you've got to get up. So to be a servant first, you just got to get up. And second, he took off his outer clothing. And to serve others, if you think about it, you usually have to lay something aside. You know, most of us live with a a full plate of activity. And there's a truth that you're going to have to learn if you're really going to get committed to serving Jesus. It's a truth you've got to learn. If you're going to serve like Jesus did, you're going to have to set something aside. You just will. You're probably going to have to shed something on your full plate. Because a full plate doesn't have room or time for something for Jesus. You're probably going to have to shed something. And let me just say this. I don't know what it is for you. It's not my role to tell you what it is. Any of the pastors who stand in this pulpit to deliver the message, we're delivering God's word, we're delivering what it says, and then it's for you to listen to what God says to you, and maybe he'll reveal it to you. If you're seeking Him, if you're listening, if you're saying, God, I want to I be closer to you, I want to know you more, I want to be more obedient to you, then listen to what He says and do it. It's one of the action steps in this 40 days in the Word. I love it. It's like, what is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? What is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is that may be holding you back or keeping you from being able to serve. But Jesus is probably telling you... It's probably pretty obvious. Whatever it is that's most often the thing keeping you from serving, it's probably that. If it's the thing you repetitively say, well, I would do it, but I can't because of this, that's probably the thing. Now, some things you can't remove, but I don't know. What what is Jesus speaking to your heart about? So thirdly, he wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin. You see, Jesus had to make some preparations. He had to get prepared to do what he was about to do. He had to be prepared to serve. And one of the greatest Bible stories that I love is one that you may have flown by before. How many of you have ever been guilty of reading your Bible and going, I didn't get anything out of 2 Kings? Or I didn't get anything out of Leviticus? Or, man, I was in this area of the Bible and I didn't get anything today. Well, I love it when there's these wonderful pieces, these, you call them pearl or, or nuggets, that just encourage you and challenge you. And I love, I've done a, a deep study of First, Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. I've been through men's groups where we literally just went verse by verse through these. So I, I love these. And here, tucked away in one verse, I think, speaks a magnitude. And it's about Elisha. Elisha was the second most powerful prophet in the Old Testament, next to Moses. Elisha. Literally, he did amazing things. He's the second most powerful prophet in the Old Testament. And listen to what it says about him. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. But Jehoshaphat, that's a real guy. Some of you just thought people jump at Jehoshaphat. No, that's a real, he was a king of Israel. Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that he may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha. Son of Shaphat is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Did you hear that? Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, 
who poured water on the hands of Elisha. The second most powerful prophet in all of the Old Testament next to Moses is known as a servant who poured water on the hands of Elisha. What a humble servant. What a guy that was willing. He he prepared his heart to do whatever it was that God had for him. And for a while, guess what God had for him? Pour water on the hands of this prophet. Maybe it'll be your turn one day. I don't know. Just be prepared. He is known in the Bible as a guy who poured water on the hands of Elijah. That is a servant who's just willing to do anything. And it's not always easy. It takes, it takes some humility. It takes some difficulty. I, I can tell you that before God called Heather and I to full-time ministry 11 years ago, we just said, where could we serve? We served as greeters. We served in visitation. We would go, kids would come to the youth ministry, and then we would go out and, and, and visit their homes and just say, hey, thanks for coming. We served in the children's ministry, where we were literally learning the Bible stories the week before because we were new in our faith. And we just said, we want to be involved. We just want to be prepared for whatever God has for us. And there were other things, quite frankly, that we probably wanted to do. I had a boat. Key word was had. I had a boat. But along the way, we just we got serious about really serving, and we, we sold it. It just got to where it ended up sitting down at the lake. And how many of you have owned a boat before know that when it sits in the water, it starts getting green and slimy around the edges? And we would come down there and go, whoa, I guess we haven't been here in a while. So we, we sold the boat just because we knew that God was calling us to do some things and we wanted to be obedient. We had made preparations. We just wanted to be prepared for God to use us. So we see that Jesus made preparations. He got up and he put a towel around him and he was getting ready. And I'm, I'm sure that as they saw this, they started wondering, what is he doing? Is he really going to do what I think he's going to do? And then he began. Number four, he just began. And I like that. I love that he began. At some point, we have to begin. We just have to, we can think about it. We can go, you know what? One day I'm going to do that. We can pray about it. And we can be prepared for it. But one, at one point, we just have to say, I'm going to do it. And I want you to grab, if you're here this morning, this serving card that I put in there. And I, I'd, I'd love for you to grab it and take a look at it. Today may be the day for you that just says, I'm going to do it. I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. But today's the day. In 2016, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to serve anywhere. I'm going to serve. I see family ministry. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in, in helping in the nursery. Maybe once a month. Awesome. I'm going to help in the elementary back in J-Kids. I'm going to help with the students, which is where Heather and I, we, man, we love working with the students. And creative arts. Maybe you want to be involved in the choir. Maybe you play an instrument. Maybe you know how to put videos together. Maybe you know how to do PowerPoint, production. Man, check a box. Campus support. I know we could always use your help. Great guys. Maybe you, maybe you know how to pull a trailer. Maybe you know how to set up a chair. Maybe you know how to... Put, Put up some pipe and drape. If you don't know how, that's okay. We'll be glad to teach you. Guest services, greeter, usher, volunteer care. I know of a wonderful, sweet lady who could have used some help in that department today. Parking. Man, there's some areas that we would love to have your help. We got great people, but we always need more. 2016 is going to be a year where I believe God's going to do some wonderful things, and we're going to need more people to do it. 
And so I want to encourage you to fill that out and turn it into the uh, Next Steps area. We've got this Next Steps area back there that's prepared with spiritual information you might need, how you can get involved, how you can serve, how you can get in a small group. Man, step into there. We'd love to help you. There's a box you can drop your card in as you leave today, and we'll be glad to follow up with you in the next couple of weeks to help you take, some, take that step that maybe you've been thinking about but just haven't done. So, man, what a, what a great example. Jesus literally washed the disciples' feet and he dried them with a towel. Man, that's, that, that is a, that's an amazing thing that I don't think too many of us would even think about doing. So we see what he did. Now we see what Jesus said. In John 13 and 14 and 15, it says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. It's pretty straightforward. I love, I love it when I read the Bible and it's just straightforward. It's just bam, there it is. He said, this is what I did, now you do it. So he gives us this great mandate to serve. And then John 14, 15. This, this is 13. And then in 14, listen to what he says. If you love me, keep my commands. This is what I said. If you love me, do what I said. Pretty straightforward. Often in my role as the, the next steps pastor, kind of the spiritual growth guy for the church, a lot of times I'll, I'll have people who will just come up and say, hey, how can, I, how can I grow in my faith? How can I go to the next level? And, and those that are really serious, I'll share it with them. They soak it up and say, man, I'm ready. And they jump right in and do it. I love seeing that. The ones that are serious, the ones that are eager, literally just say yes. And oftentimes one of the things that I tell them is one of the great ways you're going to grow spiritually is to be involved in serving. So through what he said, we saw a command, but we also see what Jesus promised. This is what he promised. John 13, 17, he says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And that's a great promise. Now that you, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now I don't know what that blessing is for you. Sometimes we think, well, it means that I'm going to... I'm going to make more money. I just know it. That's blessing. Maybe not. The blessing might come through peace in your life. The blessing may come through a relationship that needs some work. The blessing may come from, man, I've been, I've been struggling in my job, and now things have, man, things have been going better. I don't know what a blessing is for you, but Jesus, Jesus does. You see, Jesus told us that we'd be blessed... And now I want you to watch a short video of some of our volunteers who've shared with us how serving at JCI has been a blessing to them. My name is Brad and I serve with the worship team. If you're thinking about volunteering at JCI, I recommend you find an area that speaks to you and your personality and just give it a shot. I mean, initially you're not sure if it's worth your valuable time, but uh, chances are you're going to like it and you'll start to see it as a privilege instead of a duty. Hey everybody, this is Reese. Spiritually, I've grown tremendously from serving. It really is true that when you pour into other people's lives and invest in other people's lives spiritually, you'll grow spiritually as well. One of the greatest parts about serving is that you get to do life with other people who are trying to grow in Christ, and you can bring those things to the table each and every week. My name is Tara, and I serve in Journey Junior. Serving has radically changed my life. I'm an introvert, and most Sundays I'm living outside of my comfort zone. 
It's given me a greater confidence as a Christian and as a leader. I'm pretty shy, and serving has changed a lot of that. The key through blessing is to get involved. And I don't know what it is for you. What is it for you? How do you need God's blessing in your life? God knows. And I really believe that when you serve, you're going to begin to see that. You heard it from the people in the video. Some of them, they were an introvert, and man, it's helped them to take, take their fears by the horns. And now they're serving in a way they never thought they would. Many of them I've talked to, man, there's great fellowship. They've made some friends. They've, they've gotten to know people. And that's been a blessing that they needed in their life. Some it has been. I, I've talked to people that have great financial blessing by what they're doing. I don't know what it is for you. I just know that Jesus promised blessing through serving. I told you there was something for everything in this message today. There's something for everyone here. For some of you in this room today who who don't serve, what's Jesus saying to you? I'm not here to lay any guilt on anyone. I'm just here to say what God's word says. And then it's up to the Holy Spirit and you to, to act on it. What is Jesus saying to you? Is there an area that he wants you to get involved in? Maybe it's just to stick your toe in for a week or two to check it out. That's okay. For those of you who, who used to serve, what needs to happen in your heart? What needs to happen in your mind to get back to serving? Is it a healing emotionally or physically? Is there some forgiveness that needs to happen in your heart towards someone, towards God? Do you need God to forgive you? Maybe you've struggled. Maybe you've strayed away in your faith and you think he couldn't use me now. If he knew me, he wouldn't use me. If they knew me, they wouldn't allow me to be used. It's not true. If you were at Christmas Eve service, you saw that God can use anyone. A young man by the name of Reese, God's using. A couple of his sweet buddies here being used. I thought... The walls were going to cave in on me years ago when I stepped into a church. I didn't think God could use a guy like me. God can use you. Maybe you need to refocus. Maybe you got off track a little bit and you need to refocus your life, your priorities, whatever it is. Maybe you need to shed something off your plate that's keeping you from serving God. Get back on. We'd love to have your help. And for those of you who serve... Man, my heart goes out to you this morning. You might think that your efforts are in vain. Some of you know the blessings and boy, you're full of joy, but others you know that sometimes it can get tough. You get serving in an area where you don't think anybody knows what you're doing. You don't even think God knows what you're doing. And this morning you needed to know that your efforts are not in vain. That what you're doing has impact. What you're doing has purpose. The things you've been doing week in and week out for days, months, years, you needed to hear that your efforts are not in vain. That God will bless you. That God has a plan and he appreciates what you're doing. You were thinking about quitting. You were thinking about giving up. You were thinking 2016, I'm not doing anything. You needed to know that God wants you and needs you and has a plan for you. 
to be used by Him and appreciates you continuing to do so. Maybe you needed to hear that today. What do you need to, what area do you see that needs filled? Take out the card, fill it out, drop it in the connection card place in the back of the auditorium. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that as we are sitting here, you, you have some real peace in your heart today about what God has for you, about God, what, what God wants you to do, and about the kind of year God wants you to have in 2016. Let's pray together.